Welcome to the Daddyhood Rocks podcast with John Wolford and Brandon Miller. We are here to encourage you, empower you, and strengthen you so you can engage, level up, and have fun being a dad. We are going to have guests, deep conversations, hilarious stories, and insights that will give you the strength you need so you can be the dad you gotta be. And now, here are your hosts, John Wolford and Brandon Miller. Welcome to another episode of the Daddyhood Rocks podcast. We are so excited to be here with you guys for yet another great episode. John, what a great interview with our guest. Uh, just some fun times together. And here we are barreling towards the, you know, we're on the last lap of this season one. And it keeps on getting better. I feel like we're putting stuff out there that is motivating and inspiring. And again, just for the purpose of helping dads everywhere to engage, to level up, and have fun being dads. What a great episode we have, John. Uh, I, I know that uh, there are certain topics that, that a lot of our guests will touch on, and then there are some topics where, where it's, it's not as prevalent, and we, we cover a lot of things today. We talk about, uh, well, tweens, we cover um, rough relationship, relationships with dads, uh, which was really eye-opening. Uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. It was a hard-hitting, wonderful episode. John, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for our listeners to be able to engage with this episode um, and listen to this. Um, Nate Clark is just phenomenal. Um, He's just a a fantastic human being. He's an 82nd Airborne Division veteran himself, so I'm partial to him, of course. But uh, uh, no, he's just, he's he's a great dad. He, He does a lot good. He's a great dad, though, and he's made sure to keep his daughter at the very uh, center of what he does constantly. And um, that, that includes, you know, we talk about co-parenting in this interview. Um, Our listeners will hear that includes that co-parenting. He keeps her at the center. So John, uh, any last comments before we shift gears or twist gears or grind gears or flip gears, whatever we're doing with gears. Any last things before we pass things over to our interview? Yeah, just don't, and this goes for any time we have a podcast. Don't settle for just us at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, sometimes we'll throw some things out there, but every interview we have, we're we're selecting these people because they've got great things to give. And so don't, don't stop here. Keep going. Listen to this yes. interview because it's something that that maybe you don't need to hear, but maybe a friend needs to hear and you can point them in the right direction. So enjoy listening to Mr. Nate Clark. We are here with Nate Clark. Nate, thank you so much for being on. We're incredibly excited to have you on. Um, Introduce us to yourself and your family as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Uh, my name's Nate Clark. Um, I live in Washington, D.C. with my wife, Samantha, my wife of three weeks, Samantha, and uh, our daughter, Avery, who is 12. Um, yeah, a big-time big time fan of the show, fellas. Uh, awesome. Long, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> 
man, that that's, makes, me, makes me feel all sorts of special. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, great. definitely. Well, good. So you are a lawyer there in D.C. Uh, so tell us kind of your law story, like how you got into doing law and yeah. what what about it do you love? What makes it you know special for you? Most definitely. Um, so uh, the the army left me in Washington D.C. twelve years ago, kind of you know uh, wondering what to do next. And I think like most most vets here in the D.C. area, I kind of gravitated towards defense contracting for a while, and you know eventually I like wanted to stop getting deployed all the time, right? Be a dad, and you know uh, settle down a bit. So. Um, I was working as a, uh, a private investigator and I'm working with a law firm and we, uh, we, we got torn up on this case. The, the lawyer, um, judge just reamed this guy, just dressed him down. And, uh, he and I are at the bar later that night, kind of commiserating, licking our wounds. And, you know, uh, I told him that I kind of agreed with the judge and, he, uh, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't feeling that so much and kind of said, you know, Hey man, you think you can do it better? I'd love to see you try. And so that was it. I, you know, I think, uh, going to law school was something that was kind of, you know, it was an idea that I had had on and off again. And, you know, it always, it always kind of uh, appealed to me. It was just, um, I didn't really think like I was smart enough and I, you know, I made a lot of excuses why I shouldn't try and, you know, eventually I just, you know, I said, man, I got to go for it. You know, I got to do this. And, uh, you know, I, I have a, a lot of, a lot of friends, you know, from my hometown that just, you know, legal problems, lots of veterans, you know, dealing with, you know, legal issues coming back from deployments. And, you know, I was like, man, this, 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 this is an area where I can make a difference. You know, so I had to like kind of stop making excuses and, and just go for it. And I did. And man, it's, it's been one of the best decisions I ever made really and truly. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm having an opportunity to, to work on interesting, complex issues that matter to people. You know, I mean, uh, on the worst day of somebody's life, I get to be involved and, and help, you know, have a positive impact for, for people who need somebody to, to look out for them. That's, that's so important. I think <laughs> you, you have, you have Avery and I she's kind that. of at a very interesting age for, for every kid. Um, yeah. how are you navigating the, um, the confusion and, and all that emotion that comes with the, the beginning of adolescence? Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's, a. Uh, it, it's a weird age, dude. Like <laughs> she's like, she's, she's pushing so hard to like be an adult, be, you know, more mature. And, you know, like John, I know you just, you just buy a new house. Uh, we did also, we just moved into our new house last weekend and I'm, you know, I'm helping my daughter get her new room put together. And, you know, we've got all her like cute posters and stuffed animals and stuff from the old house She's like, nah, dad, we're not putting those up in here. <laughs> you know, she's like, that's little kid stuff. I'm not a little kid anymore. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's, it's tricky, man. Cause it like, it breaks your heart. You're like, yo, this is my, this is my baby. Like, I don't, I'm not ready for you to be an adult. Yeah. What are you doing? Um, 
but you just got to kind of, you know, I'm just kind of going with the flow, man. It's, you know, the, the little, the little glimmers of her, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm getting a, a little peek at like what the adult form of her looks like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing the things that excite her and seeing the things that she still has just like a natural curiosity or interest in. I just try to nurture that and, you know, be involved with that. Um, you know, like I, we're, first of all, I got lucky because like my daughter, like she is so chill. Like she, like ever since she was a baby, she is just so chill. She has such a, like a mild nature to her, like her, her, uh, her like outward sort of presentation of herself. Like she could be spunky and like kind of, you know, but like deep down, she is just like such a mild chill person. And we've just always been able to like have a really, um, a really meaningful, close connection. Like we can just sit down, we can talk, you know, when she's getting frustrated, like when I see those like teenage ah, parts coming through, I can be like, Hey, Hey, Whoa, sit down. Let's talk. You know, like it works like, like, a, you know, like a, like an 80 sitcom, like, Hey, let's just sit down, pop a squat. Let's chat it out, you know? And it works. Um, you know, I think, I think the trick is that like when she's, getting chaotic i you know i just try to like all right i'm gonna be cool enough for both of us right now we're gonna talk this out um and i i think that's the key man just you know patience and giving her some space when she needs it and trying to connect with her where i can i think i think that's how we're getting through it man, that's awesome now yeah as far as like the, the posters and you know the the you know uh, you know, unicorns and stuffed animals. John can relate to that. You know, he's really having this crisis moment of what am I going to transfer to my new bedroom? And so I think he's going to put most of it up, but uh, he's in that same, same scenario. So we correct. We, I'm actually painting the ceiling fan as a unicorn horn. So nice, man. So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. So, so Nate, so, I mean, it's really clear. I mean, you have a great relationship with your daughter, which is really cool to hear about. Yeah, for all of us as dads, on the flip side of that coin, we're also sons. And uh, you take the good with the bad. And, and we are deeply grateful for, you know, prior to you coming on, you've been super upfront, uh, communicating about your your situation with your own father. Uh, And you are super clear that that it's not a good relationship. Uh, What are you willing to share as far as how that scenario has played out and how that's impacting you? Uh, now as a dad my uh, biological father um, was not around when I was you know when I was growing up and I found out I guess like right around the time that I was graduating from high school um, that he was going to jail I was on my way to the army he was going to jail Um, he had been pretty heavily involved with like trafficking drugs and you know, like, like this wasn't a total surprise to me. Like he wasn't around, but like, it's a small town and I sort of, you know, I, you know, you hear things and you know, it just, uh, I left for the army in 2001, you know, it was 20 years ago. And that was like the last conversation he and I had had, you know, and then he went to jail and the conversations we had prior to that weren't really great ones. Um, you know, and Last year, I think it was, or maybe, no, I'm sorry, it was two years ago, um, my now wife, then girlfriend, we were sitting around one night, we were just kind of talking, and um, she asked me if I knew when he was getting out of jail, 
And I looked into it a little bit and it turned out that there was a possibility he was going to get out soon. And that like, that gave me like a tightness in my chest. I was like, Ooh, that makes me feel weird. Why? You know? And it turned out there was just all this unresolved stuff. Um, I call it the soggy boxes. Yeah. You, know, you got to sort out your soggy boxes. All right. Like, like if you have a storage unit, you got your cardboard boxes. I used to have the storage unit. I was so like dedicated to going in there, like in between deployments, you know, picking stuff up, putting them on pallets, making sure none of the boxes were damaged or getting wet. And, you know, I just kind of felt like, oh, that's how I'm going to, you have these soggy boxes that are, that are sitting in here and you got to just deal with them from time to time. And nobody wants to, nobody wants to go in that dank storage unit and like lift these heavy boxes up and deal with all that. But you have to, otherwise, you know, they cause problems. Right. So my, my wife asked me about when he was getting out of jail and I was like, man, that's, that makes me feel so weird, right? Like, and I, I started thinking on it. And I was like, I gotta reach out to this dude. You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find out who he is and what he's about. I gotta find out what his intentions are when he gets out. And so I did. I sent him a letter, and you know, I, I shared those with John. Um, I sent him a letter and just kind of like introduced myself and put it out there. I was like, Yo, man, like I don't really know you. I don't really know what your plans are when you get out. Um, I'm not turned off to the idea of having a relationship with you, but like, I got questions, you know, I want to, I want to talk. And eventually he responded back to me and it was just, (laughs) it was a garbage response. You know what I mean? It was just, uh, it turns out like, you know, being in prison did not rehabilitate him, did not do good things for, for him as a man, as a person, as a, certainly not as a father. Um, you know, he kind of like, putting a lot of blame on me for us not having a relationship. Um, you know, it was just kind of, kind of the exact opposite of what you would hope for in that situation. And, uh, you know, I kind of took some time. I thought on it and responded back to him again. And then eventually it just kind of ended with like, yo, look, I mean, clearly there's no relationship to be had here. One of the weird things he dug in on was that he, I, I addressed him by his first name, Victor, and he shot back and was like, you don't call me Victor, you call me dad. And I was like, bro, <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't been around for like 35 years, you, you know, you ain't going to tell me to call you dad, right? Um, you know, and I, I actually, my mom did end up getting married again um, to an amazing fella. You know, his name, his name's Carl. He's my stepdad. And, and to me, that's my dad, you know, um, that, that dude stepped in and, you know, took me, took me in as his own son. You know, I was like 12, I think at the time. And, you know, I just, I couldn't imagine where, I mean, he, he flew up here from Texas, you know, cause we were moving in this new house. He flew up here. He's been helping me, you know, nonstop, like unpack boxes, paint walls, you know, do the windows and the doors and the whole thing. I mean, the guy is just amazing. And to me, when Victor made that demand, I was like, look, you know, that would be a slap in his face. I'm not going to call you dad. You and I can have a relationship, but it ain't that, you know? Um, so, I mean, that, that, that whole thing kind of fell apart. And I was like, you know, at first it disappointed me, you know, first it made me angry and then I was disappointed, but then I, you know, I kind of got to a place with it where I was like, it's not my job to fix this guy. You know I mean? He, he is who he is and I am who I am. And that's just how it's going to be. Um, 
you know, I, I gave him an opportunity to sort of, you know, connect and redeem, maybe meet his granddaughter, you know, and that's just not the life that he has for himself. It's, you know, I can't, I can't let him rent, rent free space in my head, you know, like I made my peace with it and I'm, I'm moving on and, and taking what positive I can from that experience. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm glad I did it. You know, I'm, I'm glad that I took that chance. I'm, you know, I'm glad that I reached out. I'm glad that I had the, the courage to face something down because now when I think about when is this dude going to get out of jail and what's going to happen, I don't get that tightness in my chest. You know, I don't, I don't have those feelings anymore. I, I know that I said what I needed to say um, and that if he should show up, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But, you know, we, we know where one another stands. So, you know, it was all in all. I mean, it was it, it was a good experience. I, I've managed to, to salvage something positive out of what was a yeah. uniquely sucky ordeal. And I'm, I'm hoping that others out there who are hearing this you know, or are hearing that the, the bottom line is, is like, you know, take that chance. You know, if you have something that's causing you to feel tightness in your chest, if you got soggy boxes that need to be organized and sorted out, man, deal with that stuff. Cause that, that'll, that'll hurt you in the long run if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you, when you think of this relationship or, or really non-relationship, um, and by the way, thank you for being so open about that. Thank you for yeah. sending me those letters to read. Um, they were, they were, they were beautiful. Not because they were, they were nice, but they were beautiful because you were able to throw all of your emotions on the table um, at him and say, "Hey, this is how I'm yeah. feeling. This, this is where we're at." And it ended with that too. It started mm-hmm. with that, and it ended with that, and, and that was that. Um, so yeah. when you think of this kind of non-relationship, I guess you can call it, how has it impacted? We, we like to call it daddyhood here. How has it impacted your, your daddyhood story? Yeah. Um, a lot of ways, man, a lot of ways. Uh, you know, like for, for one, I, you know, I thank you for like, for one, for just taking the time to like read those. Like I felt kind of weird about sending them to y'all, but you know, I felt like it was maybe an important part of what we're trying to do here, you know, collect, like if I can take like some ownership of your podcast for a second, it's an important part of what we're trying to do here. Uh, I think, dude, you're part of the, you're part of the dad collective. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And so I just, you know, thank you for sort of, you know, reading through that stuff and, and giving it like kind of the, the, the review that you have, the both of you, I, you know, I appreciate it. It's kind of nice to be able to sit here and talk about it with other, other men, other, other fathers, um, you know, and, and for me, like I was, you know, I was also, I was very, I was transparent with my daughter throughout that whole thing. Like I let her read those letters too. And, you know, we've had some really deep conversations about those feelings and, about the role of a father in their child's life and you know to see like to see her like she like she she already knows like i'm a good dad but like to for her like she's never seen like a bad dad you know and so for her to see it and be like wow there there are dudes out there like this guy that's crazy and she's looking at me like how did you come from that because you're an amazing father you know and so like that was like a nice like you know i mean it was it, it was a nice sentiment that she's she's pushing towards me, but it was just it was nice for me to be able to sort of see that thing come full circle, 
Now, for, course, for yeah. those listeners, for those dads who either don't have a dad or who have a really crappy relationship with their dad, what advice yeah. do you have for them? You know, um, for one thing, like, A, it's never too late, you know? It's never too late to, to change that dynamic, to, to start doing things in a different way. And I, I think, like... You know, like I think I think there's some dads who don't have that good relationship and they wish they did. Like, go try. Give it a shot. You know, there's some guys who don't have that good relationship and they think that it like sort of predetermines the kind of father that they're going to be. Mm. And to that, I'm like, you know, I, I can't. That's not been my experience. And I don't think that, that it has to be, you know, anyone else's experience. Like you have an opportunity to do things differently, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's no manual, like, Hey, flip to chapter 58, if you didn't have a dad and here's what you should do, you know? <laughs> and, and I think that's part of the problem. It would, it would be easier if we have that, but we don't, all we have is other men's experiences. And that's part of what we're here for is yeah. to... John six kids, man. You should write that manual. I'm on chapter, I'm on chapter three. I've been a little bit busy, but, uh, <laughs> um, no, we, uh, you know, th that's part of what we're here for though, is to, to, you know, gain from other dads experiences. And part of yeah. that includes dads who haven't had dads. How do you, you know, how do you navigate that? I can't imagine because I always had a dad. And so I can't, yeah. I can't imagine um, going through that. So thank you for being willing to talk about that. Um, yeah. Now I mean, we're going gonna... to, it's an unfortunate thing. There are a lot of, you know, young men growing up these days who haven't had a father figure in their life at all, you know, and it's, I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out there is some correlation between a lot of the clients that I represent. I'm, I'm a criminal defense attorney. You know, a lot of the clients that I represent, they do come from fatherless homes. Mm. Um, and so it is, you know, it, it is kind of a pattern, uh, a, soci a sociological pattern here in America where you do have a lot of fatherless homes, uh, producing children who are, are growing up and, and not having somebody to, to show them those vital things that, that, a, that a father provides their children's life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's multiple failures there within just our, our system and the way the U.S. does things. Yeah. Um, there's multiple failures that have led to that and led to this, you, you said about it, it is, there is a correlation. Can we prove causation? Maybe not, but there's definitely a correlation between fatherless homes and crime and it's heartbreaking. And so if we can impact even one life with this podcast, that's, that's huge for us. And that one life yeah. might turn into another 10 and that those 10 might turn into another hundred. That's, that's the goal. So um, I appreciate you just opening up and giving us all of that to feed off of because it was yes yes bow to bow to Nate yes that it's it's truly amazing um now I'm going to switch gears a little bit talk yeah, about sure. something both exciting for me and exciting for you uh, I graduate nursing school tomorrow that's a huge achievement for me super excited. yes um way to go you man went through, you went through law school as a dad that yeah. is huge um I, 
again bow to Nate because that that's phenomenal. I I can't imagine going through that. So for dads who are, are wanting a change of pace or they haven't gone to school at all, um, what's your advice? Um. Well, again, uh, you know, for, first of all, I do have to point out again, uh, I, I had a really great support network. Like my, my wife, um, took on so much to make that happen. You know, like she, a lot of meals she was putting together. I mean, there were like nights where I was studying, she had like remind me to eat, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, she, she's been a rock through this whole thing. Um, you know, I know that not everybody, um, listening to this necessarily has somebody like that in their life. Um, but for my, for my story, you know, part of my, part of my success story is, you know, my wife was just incredible throughout the whole thing. Um, you know, but if I, you know, and, and, and it's like a thing with a lot of veterans, like I, I do a lot of, uh, veteran mentorship type stuff. Um, and I meet a lot of vets who like, they want a new career, you know, or maybe they even know that they want to go back to school. They're not really sure how to get started or like, it's sort of in them. They want to do it, but they don't want to do it. You know, they just kind of need that little do it, you know? Um, I think for one, it's like, it's never too late. Just like I was talking about with the dad stuff, you know, um, I know, for me, when I started with law school, I was 32, 33, something like that. And I was like, I can't do this, man. I'm already too old. Like, it's too late for me. You just got to get that out of your head. Like, it's never too late. You, know, you can you can always write a new chapter in your book. Um, you know, and like, I used to do this weird thing, though. Like, I used to, like, come up with, with excuses, like you know, I'm not smart enough or like, I don't have the money or how am I going to do that? Or, you know, how am I going to get to the school? And like, my daughter has stuff going on and I'm too busy. And like, I used to make all these crazy excuses. And I think like one night I just had like a really honest conversation with myself, like after that whole exchange with that lawyer, where I was like, why not me? Like, why can't I do this? Like, I just, I was like afraid of failing is what it was. You know, I was, I was so afraid to like want something and to put myself out there that I was creating tons of reasons that I didn't have to do it where it wouldn't be my fault if it didn't happen. And it was like, it was just a process of like getting over myself. I think a lot of people do that. I think, you know, and like some people do it just because it's like, I'm, I'm playing it safe. And that's not like a terrible thing. If you're a father, you know, like it's not my time anymore. It's my kid's time now. Like I had my chance to do the thing that I was going to do. Now my thing to do is just be the, you know, the support for my kid. And that's like a really like noble way to not do the thing that you're supposed to. <laughs> like it's a really good excuse for not doing the thing that you're supposed to do, I guess. No, I mean like I get it. I do. But I think that there are so many people out there who just need that little nudge, like, yo, you are good enough. You're not too old. You know, you can have this. If you want this, go get this, you know? And so for me, that's, you know, that's, that's what it was for me. And that's the advice that I would give to anybody out there who was thinking on something. Like that. Man, that's awesome. You also don't have to be that smart to be a lawyer. I'm going to say it. 
You do not have to be that smart. <laughs> good, good to know. You're not self-identifying, though, right? No, of course not. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. Being a viewer of our podcast, you know that the, a version of this question gets asked um, almost every interview. Yes. Uh, so I had to ask the last question of the interview. Uh, we're all about the embarrassing and the disgusting, as you well know. So what is your most yeah. embarrassing or disgusting moment as a dad? Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So I have, I have like one each. I'll do, I'll do them quick. I have one each. Um, and I'll give you, I'll give you uh, the embarrassing one first, and then I'll give you the disgusting one. Is that the order? Yeah, that's how I'll do it. All right. So my embarrassing one, um, it, Avery was really young, um, you know, like very, I, like she was walking, she was talking, but like, you know, she was like young, like I could lose you in a grocery store young. So we're, we're in a, we're in the grocery store, we're, we're checking out and she is doing that thing that all children do can I have this? Can I have this? Pulling stuff, you know? And I'm like, it's very busy. I just got out of work and like tons of groceries up on the cart. And, you know, I'm like, Avery, knock it off. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to pay and, and she like keeps trying to put stuff up on the thing. I'm like, I'm putting them back. I'm like, Avery, knock it off. And she goes, dad, please don't sell me on Craigslist. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> the, the cashier like stops what she's doing and she's looking at me and I was like, it's an inside joke. Um, but I used to tell her that all the time, like jokingly, like, you know, you don't, you don't calm down. I'm going to sell you on Craigslist or, you know, uh, I think a couple of times I even threatened to let her meet her older brother. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> So when that came out, like in front of the uh, the employee, there it was uh, awkward, awkward moment. Um, <laughs> I love it. My disgusting story. So when she was around the same age, um, we were at a barbecue at one of her friends' houses. And I and I I have to say, like, um, so she, I mean, so she's playing with the other little kids, you know, doing whatever, and I'm hanging out on the patio and these, these parents, these other parents are all like, you know, a few years older than me, very like affluent. Um, I was already feeling like I didn't know them that well. It was like kind of uncomfortable to like be at their house, you know, everything's really nice. And, you know, uh, so it started, you know, things are kind of wrapping up and I'm like, all right, well, you know, thanks for having me over. I'm going to go collect my kid and I'll, you know, I'll see you guys later and all that stuff. And I go upstairs to where the kids are and, uh, they have decided to empty out the, um, the, the diaper thing for <laughs> the youngest kid. They emptied out like the little diaper genie and had been like throwing diapers at each other upstairs and they're like, stuff everywhere on the walls on the furniture on the kids and uh <laughs> and i'm the first parent least i think i'm the first parent who's like come to the realization of what's going on upstairs. you're a first responder so, <laughs> so um i uh i yeah. i call out the window i'm like hey uh can i i won't say her name I'm like can can you come up here please and I very quietly like kind of started getting my kid together and like 
you know, just sort of like as she made the discovery of what was happening, I was already like in my car driving my uh, disgusting daughter back home to get the bath. Um, we did not get invited to any more cookouts at that house. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I actually don't think that we even, I think maybe we got like a Christmas card from them once since, and that's, that's been it. Uh, now, I guess you could call that a crappy predicament. <laughs> Uh, that's what I called it then, and that's how I refer to it now. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That, oh my goodness. So yeah, we've had all kinds of whether it's uh, you know magic poop stories or uh, you know exploding <laughs> babies. Now we have poopy diaper fights. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Man, fantastic. <laughs> well, Nate, it was, so your 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 two your double barrel story there did not disappoint. So thank you. And also, just your time with us did not disappoint either, dude. Uh, thank you so much for carving out your time to hang out with us. Yeah. Again, two two fifth graders who are trying to put together a podcast for dads. Uh, <laughs> we really value your story and your your input, your insight, your perspective, dude. Um, yeah. We really uh, are grateful. And I got to tell you guys, I am uh, I'm so pumped about this that you guys are doing. I'm so proud of you guys, man. This is a great podcast is an awesome thing you guys are doing. Um, any way that I can support, I'm happy to, you know, if you ever, if you ever have any questions of me, you ever want to talk some more, you know, you know where to find me and, and I'll be, I'll be watching on the other side here. All right. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Well, so any, any other last words, John or Nate, before we wrap up for tonight? I don't, I don't have anything. Do you have anything, Nate? Uh, I got uh, a mostly empty glass of bourbon, so I'm gonna I'm gonna attend to that. I'm, I'm quite <laughs> jealous, but man. All right, well, Nate, take care of yourself. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, just yeah, we will be definitely in touch. Uh, so, as I'm sure you have heard multiple times, season one ends on Father's Day, and season two begins somewhere near the end of August, and we would definitely love to have you be a part of season two. Uh, so, yeah, so please. Let's, let's have the communication lines open there. We'll get that figured out. And we'll see Absolutely. you on again, man. All right, fellas. All right. Take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. We are so glad that we were able to have Nate Clark on with us. What a fantastic interview. What a uh, fantastic person. What a fantastic dad. Uh, Brandon, give, give me your thoughts. My, my hot take on that interview was I, I wish we would have had him on earlier. Uh, what a refreshing personality, uh, refreshing uh, just clarity in, in just his responses. Honest, uh, doesn't hold anything back. Uh, but uh, man, such a, uh, his view on mental health is huge. I love what he talks about in terms of going through your soggy boxes. You know, it's a crappy job going through just the, the messiness of life, uh, clearing out kind of the, uh, you know, the, the storage unit of your heart, but uh, you got to do it so you can move on to bigger and better things. And, and, uh, and so, I mean, I, I spend my days helping people with their soggy boxes. I've never heard of that phrase before though. And I absolutely love it. I'm stealing it. All right, Nate, I'm stealing <laughs> soggy boxes. I love it. So it was a great interview, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, it was one of those situations that I put out feelers on my own personal Facebook page saying, hey, dads, do you want to be on? He didn't even comment on the status. He just messaged me and said, hey, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, let's do this thing. I would love to be on. And then he just started spilling all this information that we could use. Um, normally, Brandon and I, uh, little inside scoop of Daddyhood Rocks, we stick to nine to 10 questions and then we throw in some unscripted every now and again. I could have made 30 to 40 questions out of what Nate was able to just provide me telling me about his life, telling me, you know, his time in the military, law school, all, all the stuff in between the relationship with his father, uh, relationship with his ex-wife, how he's co-parenting. I mean, just everything. So have no fear. I can confidently say that Nate will be back to discuss things more. Um, but uh, man, just such a great interview. No, without a doubt. And uh, yeah, uh, looking forward, man, with all the people that we're inviting back for season two and all the extra new people that we're inviting back, inviting for season two, I cannot wait to season two. It's going to be awesome. Especially if The Rock shows up. That's right. And Barack Obama, <laughs> you know, right. there's all these great people. Uh, so, John, I have a question for you. I think we as dads go through our days kind of you know, just going through our routine, you know, getting this done, getting this done, doing this, doing that. And all of a sudden we have those moments that it's like the light bulb turns on. It's like, oh, I just realized something. Did you have a moment of realization with, within the last handful of weeks? Any stories for me? You know, I'm actually going to go back a little bit further um, because this revelation is what set me on the course I'm on now. And it's what's been able to it's what made me able to see my boys again um it's what repaired that relationship um i was in 2017 i came out of the army with a plan to become a doctor um could have done that i was getting good grades um but as i was going through planning for med school and what med schools i wanted to go to and i was planning a, a life out with uh the, the woman who I was in a relationship with at the time, I was planning life out and I was realizing my kids weren't a part of that. You know, it was focused so heavily on med school and marrying her and all this stuff. My kids weren't, weren't a part of that at all. And um, so I had to come to the stunning realization that if I don't change what I'm doing, not just um, mentally, but educationally as well, I was going to further lose my kids. And so I made the decision to switch to nursing. And because of that, I see my boys consistently now. Um, granted, COVID throws a wrench into things sometimes, but uh, I see them consistently, mostly. Um, and I, I'm a day away from graduating nursing school and going into a field that I absolutely love. Um, in fact, I now can look back and confidently say I would have not loved being a doctor. I love nursing. And I am so passionate about nursing and bettering the field. Um, I, If I would not have come to that realization that, hey, I'm going to lose my kids if I continue this path, um, then I would not be in doing something that I love that I can then um, share with my kids, hey, I have a career that I love and this is what you should always aspire to have. And so that that is my moment of, of revelation. John, thank you 
I mean, I don't get tired of hearing that story because it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And you, sir, get an award for that moment uh, and for making that shift for you, for making that shift that altered your trajectory and impacted your relationship with your kids. You get the aha moment award. Ah, ah, aha. Aha. Well, I, I am, I am very grateful for the aha moment award. Hey, don't drink my award. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm thankful, man. I mean, I love, we've said it before. I love these awards. They're fun for us, but you know, the stories also are able to impact our listeners and, and impact each other. So thank you for the aha moment award. Um, but I, I hope and pray that somebody does get something out of um, of that story because it is so important. One, it's important to have that relationship with your kids. If you don't have it now and you're fighting for it, keep keep up that fight. Um, but two, it's also so important to be happy in what you're doing. Um, that gets lost on on men a lot, and and I don't mean to um, you know just like push off women, but it gets lost on men a lot because we feel like we're supposed to be the providers regardless of our happiness. And it's so incredibly important for our kids to see us happy in what we're doing because they feed off of our energy. And if our energy isn't good, um, that, and that comes with not being happy, um, they feed off of that too in a not so good way. So be happy in what you're doing. And if you're fighting for your kids, keep up that fight because I promise it's worth it. And without a doubt, man, without a doubt, man, thanks for wrapping up what a, just a wonderful episode and for, for being part of this journey. I love every moment of it, the roller coasters of it, the frustrations of it, uh, the adventure of it, every single thing about this daddy hood rocks podcast. Uh, I am so thankful that I get to do it with my best friend. So thanks, John. Oh yeah, absolutely. And we have fun engaging with you, our listeners as well. And so, um, we, we've, tried to be intentional about um, engaging in multiple ways. So we have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, um, the Daddy Hood Rocks podcast. Look us up. Uh, We want to engage with you. We want to um, speak with you. We want to have conversation with you about life and about daddyhood. And if that means bringing you on the show, so be it. Let's do it. Contact our pages. We'd love to uh, get you on and, and, and speak with you about all things daddyhood. So please contact those pages. There's some great things coming up for the Daddy Hood Rocks podcast. And there are things that you certainly aren't going to want to miss. Uh, and they're going to be huge, uh, big old slapping your face moments uh, from the Daddy Hood Rocks podcast. So please, please, please stay engaged with us. Like, follow us. Uh, we're on all major podcast platforms. Please, please, please follow us there. Listen to our, our podcast there. And then obviously we've got BK Miller. Um, go to that page. Find our videos if you'd like to watch us. Um, Obviously, who wouldn't want to see these beautiful faces anyway? um, Follow that page. And then eventually, we're going to be uh, switching over. We're going to have a Daddy Hood Rocks uh, YouTube eventually as well. Um, But right now, uh, watch us, see our beautiful faces, listen to us on your podcast platforms, re-listen to episodes, you know, whatever you want to do. And and just keep uh, engaged with us because season one is coming to a close. But season two is going to be awesome, and and you're not going to want to miss it. So thank you very much for spending this time with us tonight. You rock, and so does Daddyhood. <laughs>